What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the hardworking happy hour. I'm Sean. And I'm Catherine. And as always, we will be breaking down all things trades, entrepreneurship, and turning your creativity into a passion career. Oh, yeah. And happy Friday once happy again. Happy Friday. You know what, Sean? Yeah. How was your week? My week, uh, it was pretty good. It was good? It was, it was I mean, week. you know what? I'm going to be honest. It was okay. It was just like a 50-50 moderate week. It was, mm. It's getting cold. Yeah. It's winter time. That's you know. true. Today was very cold. It was extremely cold. Uh, we were in the van most of the time working on some stuff, so we really don't have too much of a right to complain, but <laughs> to true. and from the van, it was frigid <laughs> and... I had to set up some things today in my hands. Yeah. I had to do it without gloves and it was yeah. pretty terrible. That's one of the hardest uh, <laughs> things about working in the winter. Yeah. Is the cold. It is. Who would have thought? Anyway, this week, we've got a very, very, I think, interesting and important topic to talk about. Yes. Which is pre-qualifying clients. Mm -hmm. And it's something that is very near and dear to my heart because we have a very small business. We get a ton of leads. And I don't have a sales team or people that can just run these leads down. I'm also trying to be on site and editing videos, so I don't have time for all of this lead stuff, chasing them down, figuring out which ones are going to be worth pursuing. So I've had to really do a lot to pre-qualify these clients before they ever even contact me. So yeah. we're going to get into all of that stuff, all the things that I've done. Uh, everything's gone more virtual in the last, I guess, two years now. Yeah. So that kind of helps and we're, we're just going to break it all down. And I think it's something that every single business, no matter what size or style that you run, can gain something from. Yeah, absolutely. So, but before we get into that, what, uh, what delicious special treat do we have here, Catherine? <laughs> Our drink this week is a Mexican mule. It's a riff on the Moscow mule. It is tequila and ginger beer and lime. It is absolutely fantastic. It's really good. It's I'm, incredible. I'm a tequila girl. I, I really like tequila. It's yeah. one of the only things that I drink alcoholic-wise. Uh, alcoholic-wise? Alcohol-wise. Uh-oh. <laughs> Did I say alcoholic? I meant alcohol. Alcohol-wise, yeah. not a slip yeah. of the tongue. I really don't even drink that much. You don't. But uh, I have never had one of these, and this was a pleasant surprise, I yeah. would say. And you being such a tequila person has gotten me to drink tequila a couple more times. And I used to think yeah. I hated tequila, but that was just because the only tequila I've had was just like straight tequila. I think that's why people think that they don't <laughs> yeah. like tequila. Everyone drinks like really crappy tequila and then they yep. take shots of it and they're like, oh, it makes me feel terrible. But if yeah. you got to mix the good it stuff, something, yeah. make a nice drink out of it, it's delightful. It really is. And it's I love Moscow mules. Mm -hmm. I think this is way better. This you think? Is, I love it. Yeah, I like I I like that the Moscow mules come in like the cute the copper. Mods. I didn't I didn't own cup. any of those, or else I would have. Yeah, but well, this isn't a Moscow mule. This is a yeah, Mexican but it's mule. Different. And Mexican mules get served out of little wine glasses. Yeah. Well, thank you for the drink. No it problem. is absolutely incredible, and let's wow. hop into our discussion on pre-qualifying. Yeah. So I think maybe we should start. We are in kind of an advanced stage of pre-qualifying, I would say, because we are in a position where we uh, 
are trying to turn away people. Yeah. Like we're in a position we're, of power. We're, mo- we're mostly trying to turn away people. Yeah. So why don't you start from when you were starting out and mm-hmm. how you would then pre-qualify people? Yeah. How, like what metrics would you use to pre-qualify people? Right. So a huge factor in your ability to be able to pre-qualify is the demand that you have. Right. If you're getting, you know, one call a week and you're doing very small jobs that take maybe one day, you're not really going to be in a position where you can pre-qualify because you need to chase down every lead that you get. Right. So you do need to get to a certain point where you're getting enough leads that you can have an opportunity to filter through them. And that isn't a very advanced stage of business. I would say within one year of starting my business, uh, we were getting a ton of calls that as soon as I got to the job, met the prospective client and was in their yard and they're talking about their project, um, I knew right away, okay, this isn't, this is not a, a project that's going to fit our style or our business mm-hmm. or their budget's not realistic. And then you're sitting there for an hour, sometimes longer with this, you know, so-called potential client, but you know right away it's not really a good fit. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of, you can't be rude and be like, oh, sorry, you know, we're not, this isn't going <laughs> to fit and, and we're going to leave. So you waste so much time doing that, not not to mention the time that you drive there, you talk to them on the phone, you drive back. It can mm-hmm. take like a half a day out of your schedule for something that really with a couple questions beforehand, you could have eliminated that lead right from the jump and not wasted any time. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be different for every business based on really what you do. And like we talked about in previous episodes, like the branding episode about identifying your ideal client, yeah. you have to have a an ideal client in mind that you're trying to get to and you're trying to eliminate the other people that don't fit into that uh, demographic. So mm-hmm. that would be stage one. Get to a point where you are getting a decent amount of calls and you have identified your ideal client. And I guess I'll talk in terms of our business because that's really the only experience I have in pre-qualifying people. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things for us was budget off the bat. So yeah. we wanted to do these really cool custom projects, which meant it does take a certain amount of budget. It, it wasn't crazy in the beginning, but it does take a certain amount of budget as a minimum to be able to spend enough time on a project to get that look that we were going for. So I think I started out uh, putting our prices on our website probably four years ago. And I just started out putting $15,000 is our project minimum. And at that time, that was pretty low. Most of our projects were still more expensive than that. But I felt like it was a good enough number because a lot of the calls that were just really bad leads, it was people that thought a deck was going to cost four or $5,000. So I felt like it was yeah. high enough to deter the people that were 100% never going to be our client. But it wasn't so high that it would scare away people that might be on that fringe that are going to spend 20 or 25 and they're looking at the 15 minimum thinking, okay, you know, I'm already close to that. So I thought 
that was a really good point to bring in people that you know could be prospective clients, but scare away those like really low ball tire kickers that were never going to buy anything in the first place. Yeah. So that was probably the first thing that really helped me out. And now we're at a point where a couple things are in our benefit to pre-qualify. We've upped that uh, minimum to, I think on our website now it says 30,000 is the minimum. Uh, it also says right on there that our average projects are, I think between 50 and a hundred and mm-hmm. really large scale projects are exceeding that. So people have like an idea of what it costs. And that's probably the most important thing off the bat, having somebody that's in a realistic frame of mind when it comes to budget. Yeah. So I feel like we've done a really good job at that. And one of our other goals with pre-qualifying, some businesses want to get as many calls as they can and have a salesperson on the phone talking to somebody and Mm -hmm. really like walking them through the process, which I feel like the more information you can just put out there to the client and let them educate themselves, people don't want to feel like they're being sold to. So yeah, I think the more that you can just put out there, the better. I think also kind of price going along with that price transparency is kind of like, I think a lot of companies keep that kind of close to the vest where they don't want to say how much like projects cost because they want to have that conversation. But I think that also helps eliminate people because if you are maybe not in a deck situation, but like a home renovation system, if someone's like, I want to get my kitchen redone, I have absolutely no how much, I don't know how much it's going to cost. I'll just bring in a contractor. He'll give me a free estimate. Yeah. He'll go spend hours drawing up that estimate for me. And then I'll just have an idea of what it costs without any, you know, inkling that I'm going to do it. But if you kind of have like a reference, like, okay, we redid this kitchen. It started here. It went to there and it costs $50,000. Then people are kind of like, Oh, okay. I can see how we're in the realm of that. Exactly. So kind of giving a basic idea is, is helpful for those. situations. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't have to be something that's, You don't have to give them an exact price. Usually it's, Mm -hmm. especially initially, you can just give them like that range. Like, okay, uh, send me pictures of your kitchen. We'll take a look at it. And then based on those pictures, you can send back some information. Here are three projects that were pretty similar. Here's what they costed. And you can kind of see it. That's that's what they costed. That's what they cost. That's what they cost now. That's what they cost. Okay. There's no past tense of cost. It is cost. Yeah. Wow. English language is so confusing. <laughs> Sorry, you got me the on trades. alcoholics. I got you yeah. uncosted. <laughs> that's why I'm in the trades, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I think that's a really good way because, you know, if you give them a range of 50 to 75, say, you know, you're going to, you're looking to eliminate those people that watch HGTV and think, yeah, I can get my whole kitchen read on for 15,000, mm-hmm. which is just so, so unrealistic. And it's not even necessarily that somebody thinks that it costs 15 is never going to be your client because some people can afford 50 or 75, but they're just going into it thinking that's what it costs. And obviously right. if people think they can get it for 15, they don't want to spend 75, but you give them that information, and usually when we're so far off of uh, their the budget that they had in their mind and what a realistic project costs, I never try at that point to like push them like, 
okay, you know, this is what it costs. Trust me. You know, mm-hmm. you could talk to anybody else, but let's get this uh, design process. So let's get this project underway. I always say you obviously had a much lower number in your head. I don't know what you can uh, comfortably afford. I think right now it's a good idea for you to call a couple other contractors and maybe get some other options Mm -hmm. because instead of pavers, you could go with plain concrete and that would be cheaper. So you can get a range of budgets. It's going to be a range of quality of materials and, and installation, but then they are a little bit more educated when they come back. So they see that, okay, I could spend 15 and get the most basic thing in the world but I'd rather spend 60 and get this thing that's, you know, going to blow me away. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the pre-qualification effort is really based around educating the client as much as you can before you waste any time talking to them. Yeah, that is very true. And don't you feel as a, as a younger person and something I always used to see, like if you're... I remember, I remember seeing it like in the city when we, you know, we'd go out to whatever, go out to the city for a night and you see places that are for rent and it always says for details, call this number. And it's like, yep. <laughs> what? It, obviously a place like an apartment or something has a number, like it rents for 1500 a month or 1700 a month. Like why not just put that right there? <laughs> because then people can just make the decision for themselves. Like, oh, this is in my budget and it's in a neighborhood that I want to live in. And I just never understood why places don't do, like they want, same thing with with, uh, cars. A lot of times they'll say, call the dealer for the price. It's like, why? (laughs) I don't understand. That's the worst. And I feel like if anything, it's just like, I'm not going to call that because that just seems like a hassle. It might be right in your price range in the perfect car, but you're going to be like, ah, I don't feel like going through the trouble of, you know, calling all of these different listings. Why not just put it on there? Yeah. That never made any sense to me. So that was one of the first things that we did that made a big difference in pre-qualifying clients. And I guess I'll just kind of go into what our process looks like now. Yeah. As far as, because you're dealing with the the inquiries that come through. Mm-hmm. It's really been a big struggle to, which sounds weird, get less leads coming <laughs> through because we really, we want to make sure that we get the right leads that just have all the information about our business. They follow us. They know that we're booked out. So that's another huge pre-qualifier. If they're willing to wait a long time, that usually means they're going to be a pretty good client. Mm-hmm. So right now, this is what our our whole process looks like. And I'll kind of walk the people through it, like if yeah. they were a potential client. So the first thing that you're going to do, we try not to put our phone number on anything. Hopefully, it's really hard to find <laughs> my phone number because I don't want the phone to ring. So even if you do, my voicemail says... This is Sean from Premier Outdoor Living. If you're looking for a project or inquiring about a project, go to our website, premieroutdoorlivingllc.com, and fill out the contact form. Mm-hmm. When you go to the website, which hopefully you went to the website first and didn't call me, then 
you're going to see a ton of information. You're going to see everything that we want you to know about our business, uh, about me, show you our whole portfolio. And hopefully through that, through the branding on the website, you get an even better sense of who we are and what we do. And then we have a pricing page. So obviously people are going to click on that. Yep. And that's where <laughs> we say our projects start at 30,000. Most of our projects are, I think it says between 50 and 100. Yeah. And very large custom projects can be in excess of that. So the people have seen how much it costs. They get that range. And that range is is fine. Because if somebody's willing to, say, spend 35 or 40 once you show them what they can get, they'll probably be willing to spend 60 or 70, but you need to get them out of that five to $10,000 range. Those yeah. are the people that like you want to eliminate so, so early in the process. <laughs> so they've seen the pricing, at least a range. Then yeah. underneath that, it says, you know, if I want to move forward with a project, what's next? So every project starts with a phone consultation I'm not going to go out to your your property until you send us pictures. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm kind of skipping yeah, ahead a skipping. little bit. I'm skipping yeah. ahead a little bit. First, you get to the contact form that says yeah. we're booked out for a year. So if they yes. see that, they know they have <laughs> <Yeah>. to wait. <laughs> but underneath the pricing, it does say that every project starts with a design. Design costs mm-hmm. $1,500. Um, so they know that they have a range of how much the projects cost. They have... Uh, they know that if they want to hire us, they're going to upfront have to pay for a design. Mm-hmm. Then they go to the contact form. That's where it says we're not taking any inquiries for this year. <laughs> and right now it's January. And I think I think we put that up. I think we sold out for the year before. I think it was like November when we put that yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> so people know that we're booked out for the entire year. They know how much it costs. They know they're going to have to pay for a design. And then if they finally go through and say, you know what, I still want to contact them. They've already jumped through like three really pretty significant uh, pre-qualifying hoops. We've pre-qualified them on budget. We've pre-qualified them on knowing that they're willing to pay upfront for our services for the design. And they know that potentially, or we know that potentially they're willing to wait a very long time to hire us. So mm-hmm. if they do fill out that contact form, we know that they are super, super well qualified and we'll put them on the waiting list for next year. Yeah. So so the one thing we, we talked about pre-qualifying on budget and all that, but what about design? Like we pride ourselves on design and we have a keep a very cohesive project portfolio look so what would you do if someone was like okay i want to spend my budget's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars not enough i want it to look (laughs) country (laughs) french chic yeah and i want you to do it i trust you you're a good contractor i know it's not your style how do you handle those situations uh i actually i actually had a situation that was almost exactly like that and it was up by the golf course beautiful Mm -hmm. huge mansion and this was probably at least two years ago so we were we were well on our way to establishing our brand and Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't like we were just starting out but it was still a really like good opportunity like a huge huge house like they obviously had the money 
But they started talking about the style and I was walking through the house and could see this like kind of Tuscan old world look Mm -hmm. that they had to everything. And they wanted a huge project. And I just it was hard for me to do at the time. But I knew that our style wasn't really going to fit with them. So I recommended them to somebody else. And they did a massive project for them, like huge. They even put in a pickleball court. Oh, wow. Yeah, you got to be ball. like in a certain, you know, income bracket to <laughs> have a pickleball court. Yeah. To even know how to play pickleball, you got to be super rich. So those were the type of clients. And that's like deal breaker right away for me. Because not only am I not going to have fun designing or building something like that because it's not my style, it's not going to turn out that great. The project that that this other company did turned out amazing. Mm-hmm. Turned out so good because that's their style. Like they really specialize in that kind of like almost natural kind of old classic traditional look, I guess. Um, beautiful project, but not not our the style that we do. So I knew that we wouldn't have done as nice of a job trying to hit that style. Yeah. So for me, those are pretty easy to walk away from and, and hopefully refer them to somebody that is going to give give them a, a nice project and do a quality install. So I kind of, I kind of lost track of what, where, where are we even going with this? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of a long week. Yeah. Cold. I was yeah. just trying to get you to style walking yeah. away from it. Cause I mean like budget is easy to, yeah. Like if it's not in the price range that you want it to be, or like the clients just totally off base with what they think things cost. Like that's yeah. easy to be like, okay, sorry, next. Yeah. But with style, I feel like that's kind of personal because some people might take that personally and be like, oh, you don't like my style? Like, <laughs> how dare you? Or yeah. like, it's just, I feel like that might be a harder conversation to have with a client. And yeah. especially if people are trying to build their brand and like we're in a position where, you we know, can we can say away, yeah. that is not for us. But for like newer businesses where they're still trying to get their foot in the door and get everything set up yeah it can be really tempting it can be it can be tempting to take those jobs where it can be hard to turn down yeah um and i, I mean it's always hard to turn down jobs when you're just getting started because yeah you know money is money definitely but you gotta stick to your guns yeah and anymore money's just numbers on the screen so <laughs> it's not even real don't even worry about that <laughs> um but yeah that that is a good point because it's something that's very important for us to pre-qualify based on style. And a lot of that happens through, I mean, our main source of lead generation is through our social media. So the people have seen our style, they've seen all of our projects and they're contacting us because they want that style. Mm -hmm. Occasionally some come through that maybe we're just recommended from somebody that we did work for or, you know, some other random way of finding us. And then, they do request some style that's just not really us. Mm-hmm. That is a, a, an easy one for me, at least, to say that's not really going to fit our style. And you almost have to figure out, you, you have to practice like how you say these things to people because you yeah. don't want to offend them. And that's why I love the fact that we do most of that pre-qualifying just through our website yeah. and all the information on there because... When somebody calls you, if you just, you know, pick up your phone and talk to people, it's the people might be super nice. And it's really hard to just say, you are too cheap. We (laughs) you've already wasted too much of my time. (laughs) Goodbye. 
it's you, you end up talking to them for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And when I used to actually, I don't answer my phone ever unless I know who's calling now, but mm-hmm. I used to, when people would call, I would like almost feel bad. And, and I would say, you know, I really don't think this is going to be the right project for us, but you know, tell me a little bit more. And, you know, I'm telling you upfront, we're probably not going to be the right contractor for you, but since you have me on the phone, I'll give you, you know, my unbiased advice on which way you should go. Mm-hmm. Because I did notice that a lot of companies, you go on their Google reviews that are Facebook reviews. A lot of the bad reviews aren't clients that you've actually worked for. It's people that you were rude to on the phone. You cut them off on the highway in your car, <laughs> you know? So yeah. that always was playing in the back of my head. Like, you have to like let these people down easy and that's what led to trying to do as much of this as possible, you know, via the website. So I wasn't, cause sometimes you just, you know, it's a really nice old lady and you get sucked into like, all right, well, you know what? I'll come check it out. And you seem so nice. <laughs> yeah. and you can really use help. And I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. Now I sound like a really bad guy. <laughs> like, I don't want to help out little old ladies. I don't want to help old ladies. Yeah. Don't call me. Poor old lady. I don't mean it that way, but, you know. No, there's only so much time you have to <laughs> yeah. do what you have to do. I give back in other ways. I do. But. Well, that's nice, clients. What if you have, like, someone who's, you're trying to pre-qualify. You get, they finally get you on the phone, and then they're yeah. just, like, total jerks. And you're like, I do you not want to work for this person? Does that ever happen? It has happened before, and it can be really, really difficult. And I I just, I don't like confrontation in general. <laughs> <laughs> My wife will tell you that. I'm very, like, <laughs> averse to confrontation. So we had one person, this was got to be, like, four years ago now, they were so pushy and I gave them my price. And at that time, you know, our prices were a little bit lower and it was, it was a good price for what they were getting. Yeah. But he kept coming at me like, you know, I'm going to, I'll pay you cash. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you $10,000 right now in your hand before you leave my house. It doesn't that sound good. Doesn't that sound oh Take the money. And I was just like, <laughs> it was like so overwhelming. And I was like, and at that point I was like, I need to just get out of this guy's house. This is <laughs> kind of crazy so i was like let me think about it i'll i'll get back to you let me look at the numbers and you know see what we can do Mm -hmm. um and then ended up calling them getting on the phone with them and saying hey i really can't move from this price like i probably priced this a little bit too low if anything it's a very fair price you're gonna get a really nice project from us and and he wanted to take like five thousand dollars off the price or something and Mm -hmm. When I like stood firm on that, he like lost it and was screaming at me on the phone. And I was like, I was so rattled. I was just like, (laughs) what just happened? And thank God I didn't end up working for this man. Yeah. But it was like, that's a very rare occasion, but it can happen. Yeah. I feel like those are the people, those are the kinds of people that leave the bad reviews. Like, yeah, nothing ever even happened. He's just angry at you. Yeah. So... That's why you need to make sure you have a strong enough brand that if those do come through, you know, you can withstand like one bad review from a maniacal (laughs) sociopath. (laughs) But so that doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes people are less 
maybe a little bit less aggressive, but still just like a little bit rude about it. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I always tried to put it in a way that was like, you know, just, it's just the way that, you know, our company's built. We like to do one job at a time. There's five people on our crew. We would just end up being more expensive for the same project as somebody else um, of that size. So I try to, I try to phrase it in a way that's like, I'm looking out for them Yeah. because that is, especially in the beginning, that's like the hardest part of telling people no that you don't want to pursue this job because you don't want to offend people yeah so that's that can be tough but it kind of takes practice and the more that you can do without actually talking to them on the phone and especially not being with them in person makes that a lot easier so we're we're going we're we're going so deep into what it takes to work with (laughs) premier outdoor living but (laughs) we do kind of sound like yeah. <laughs> like Hard to work with. Yeah. We're not. <laughs> We're just so exclusive. But <laughs> so <laughs> the next step, they fill out a contact form and say it's in a period where we're not booked out for the year yet and we're actively looking for projects. They submit a contact form. We email them back once they've given us our their address. Uh, we ask for a prospective budget if they have it and a wish list. Mm-hmm. And then we get back to them and we say, you know, can you provide us some pictures of your space? And once you do that, we can set up a consultation call on the phone, not in mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Because I realized, and this was mostly because of COVID, I think, we started doing a lot of the stuff virtually. And yeah. I realized it cuts out all of like the chit chat, small talk. And I can just sit there, look at the picture of their house, listen to them write stuff down without you know feeling weird about it and i'm just like sitting down concentrating on it and i can give them much better input and it's just way more effective and there's no reason for me to be on site i can get everything i need at that initial stage from just a couple pictures and a phone call yeah and our range is like we go to just about an hour away from the town that we both live in yeah and if you're driving back and forth for all these yeah. Estimates it would take forever. So instead of You've losing half a day. Done. Yeah. Yeah. So I can get everything done with a consultation call. So through that consultation call, I get their ideas. I throw out some ideas. I say, you know, I think coming out of the door, you have it looks like six steps down to uh to the backyard, to the lawn. I think we should break that up and have three steps out the back door down to uh, your main entertainment area. Maybe that has a covered roof on it for shade and uh, protection from the elements. Then you take three more steps down, and now you're down on the patio, and that leads into the yard. And just kind of walk them through those different ideas. Give them a ballpark idea. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you like the sound of these ideas, a project like that would range from 60 to 90, say. And... If they're on board with that, I say, okay, well, the next step, if you want to move forward, take all the time thinking about it as you need. I just threw out a ton of information at you. It would be going forward with a design, which is $1,500, which is still pretty cheap, but we're not looking to make a ton of money on the design process. It's really just so that they're willing to pay for my time. It gets deducted off the cost if they hire us and Still, at that point, I do not go out to the site if I don't have to. I ask for mm-hmm. a survey. 
yep. there's crazy elevation changes, sometimes I have to, to get those measurements. But 90% of the time I can just work off of pictures and a survey. It's yep. all I need. I can do the design. They've already paid me for my time, send it back to them. And the first time that I will meet that client in person is to pick up a 10% deposit check. Once we've gone through a few rounds of revisions, we've finalized the design, we'll draw up a contract. I will usually hand deliver that and we'll sign it, get a 10% deposit. And that'll be the first time that I've met that person face to face. And it makes my life so, so, so much easier. Yeah. When you said it like that, it kind of made me think like, I feel like a lot of contractors might have a problem with that because um, people have gotten burned by contractors. So they're like, I'm just giving this money to this person I've never met. Yeah. But we've never had a problem with that. No one yeah. has complained. Yeah. I mean, as long as I've been here, no, not one person has been like, well, yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little leery. I mean, yeah. we have a big internet footprint, so it's obvious that we're not like a, you know, yeah, fly by night kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have some sort of reputation to proceed. Yeah. You know, to be able to do stuff like that. But I think you can still do a lot of this stuff without, you know, asking for, I'm not saying the first time that you meet the person has to be when they're ready to give you a 10% deposit check, which depending on the size of the project could be 10, 15, $20,000. It's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be like that, but you could say you're still taking calls and you're not doing an online contact form, which I think everybody should, but you're still taking calls. You can ask a lot of these leading pre-qualifying questions over the phone. And it really just takes practice. It's harder over the phone because you're trying to react in real time to what somebody's saying and mm -hmm. say, okay, you know, what's your budget? Everybody says, oh, I have no idea. I don't know what, um, what this is supposed to cost. So that's when we go through the ideas and we say, okay, sounds like the project that you're talking about would be 50 to 75,000. And you can do all these things on the phone. It doesn't have to be just like the way that we do it, but just get in that mindset of, of doing all these things for free, like driving all over the place, yeah. meeting with these people, giving them really detailed pricing. If you're going to do anything for free, uh, give them, you know, giving them an estimate, give them an estimate of range. Say it's going to be 50 <laughs> to 75,000. That's a close enough range before they give you any money. And it's something that you can work towards. You don't have to start doing all of these things in the beginning, but you start right. little by little and build up to it. And then you want to get to a point where once you're really putting in work, like doing a design or pricing out a very detailed project, you should have a commitment from them in the form of payment of some sort. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a crazy amount. It could be a thousand dollars. It could be, it, it depends on how much work you're putting into it, obviously, and how complicated of a project, but even for simple stuff, you'd be surprised just asking for a hundred dollars for say like a hand drawn design and a detailed estimate if you're doing simpler stuff, that $100 is going to be such a huge pre-qualifier. If people are willing to give you anything, you know, most of the time they're going to be a good client. So yeah. it doesn't have to be $1,000. If it's a simple planning job and you just need to do a super simple sketch of the landscape, 
say it's $100 for me to come up with a detailed estimate. And if they're willing to pay that, probably going to be a good client. Yeah. That is so true because if they're willing to put up money up front, they they actually want to hire you already. Yeah. You're not like fighting a battle of Yeah. They're shopping around or, you know, whatever. If yeah. if they're willing to give you money, then they they want to hire you. And maybe they're going to uh ask a couple contractors and pay for a couple designs. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I think that's even better. It's like, yeah. okay, not only are you willing to pay me for my time, but you want some other options and you're willing to pay a couple other people and you're because this is such an important project to you, you're willing to invest all that money up front mm-hmm. on something as important as the design and see what your options are. I think if they decide at the end of the day, I loved your design, I loved the cut of your jib, then <laughs> we're going to hire you. And I would feel so comfortable with that client that they're willing to invest in the right portions of the project, like the planning, the design, all of that stuff. And they vetted out their options so they know I've looked at other options and this is what I want. Going to be a great client. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Should we get into some calls? Let's do it. All right. How long, how long have I been on that tangent? <laughs> how, how deep are we now? I think it was like, what was that? 40 minutes? Yeah, it was roughly 40 minutes. All right. Well, man, it's a long, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully everybody got something out of that. <sighs> All right. So our first caller is Joel. Joel. G'day, Sean and Catherine. Joel from Install Gardens here. I've uh, got a quick question. It's not quite on pre-qualifying leads, but I was curious about whether you put anything in your contracts uh, to give you permission to use photos from a client's property on the social media, just in case you use all these... Uh, sorry, just in case you put all the effort into making your content and then a client freaks out and says that you can't use photos of their property. So I was wondering if you had any weirdo clients like that. Uh, Lovely doing the podcast. So thank you very much for taking the time to do it. All right. Is that the end of the call? Yep. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for the call there, mate. Joel. That's a great question. In Style Gardens. It is a great question. And yeah, so, and I've gotten that question a couple times, but um not as many as, as I would think. And I think a lot of people probably don't put it in their contracts, but we do. Yes. Because it's super important. Too. It's super important. <laughs> you really want to cover your butts when it comes to that kind yeah. of stuff. And it's such an integral part of our business to do the content. So yeah. we do make sure upfront that they know we're going to be filming it. We're going to be taking pictures. We're going to be posting it on yeah. all over the place. So. And I think um, in the nature of our company, people have probably found you via social media, so they already kind of understand that it's going to be put there, so it's never really a question of, you know, there's never really any pushback, like, no, how dare you, don't put my property on the internet. Um, But I could definitely see, for, like, a company who doesn't really have a digital footprint, if all of a sudden people are like, we want to put this all over the internet, people might be like, oh, my address, that's a little too much. So that's definitely a good question to start with, like, when you are pre-qualifying people. For sure. Like, we, we're really going to document this. Yeah. And then definitely put in your contracts. Contracts yeah. should be really detailed. And it's not a problem until it's a big problem. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. And <laughs> Put it in your contracts. That is one of Catherine's uh, s- skills. Skills. That's like one of your strengths. Yeah. Your, contracts? Yeah. Yeah. One of your... My forte. 
forte contract review. It's one of the many tools <laughs> on the Swiss Army knife that is Catherine. Yeah. Uh, so it, and that's <laughs> that's something that's that's super important as our business grows. Your expertise in reviewing contracts has been super valuable because, like you said, it's not a problem until it's a big problem. Yes. It's usually not a small problem when it gets down to scrutinizing a contract after something's done. It's usually a big problem. So you want to have everything covered, especially yeah. stuff like uh, doing content, pictures, videos of people's homes. Yeah. But yeah, that is almost every one of our clients found us through social media of some sort. So they're not only okay with it, but they're excited to see their project be documented. And actually yeah. our, our current project was the first one where they didn't know that we made YouTube videos. Yeah. He <laughs> thought that, that we funny. were auditioning for an HGTV show by shooting <laughs> these videos. And I, I was like, so confused. I was like, what, what do you mean? You don't, you didn't, your first video is already up. You didn't, <laughs> you yeah. didn't see it. What? How did you find? I, I don't know how anybody would find us without <laughs> knowing that we do YouTube videos. So that was like, that's really rare that people don't know that we're doing YouTube videos, but it still yeah. is in the contract. Um, but yeah, it's one, once you're doing a lot of content around that, it might be hard in the beginning because that's not how people are finding you. And I guess it depends how you bring it up or, you know, yeah. if you make kind of a big deal about it. Like, hey, do you mind if we're blasting your picture all over the place? <laughs> you can just say, hey, by the way, we're going to be um, documenting this for, you know, our marketing and we're going to be taking pictures. We're not going to share your address or location. We're not going to send clients to your house. You know, yeah. it's just pictures and that's it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think probably for the outside of a house, it's it's a lot less of a big deal because people can already see the outside of your house, but yeah. maybe for when you're doing interior work, people might have a lot more to say about that. That's kind of yeah, a little more, more personal, I would assume. Yeah, I think, but also when you're on the inside of somebody's house, there's not as many, like if I take a, a picture of the back of somebody's house or the front or side of somebody's house, a lot of times people will be able to, if they live locally, will be able to see, Oh, I know that house. I've seen that. I know where that is. Let me drive That's by. True. Yeah, for like security reasons. Inside but, somebody's yeah. kitchen or something, it's there's not a lot of identifiers that are like, okay, I know where this house is. So I could kind of That's see it true. from both both ways. But yeah, if if people are finding you through social media and your video content or your pictures, they're most of the time gonna be really excited that their project is gonna be documented in this way. Yeah. And another thing that I always, uh, at least used to tell people was we always have this huge obligation to do the right thing on your project because we're documenting <laughs> everything. Yeah. We can't really take shortcuts and we always have to try to like one up ourselves because we're making YouTube videos about decks and patios and at the end of the day kind of doing the same thing all the time. So it has to be really pushing the envelope new ideas, really cool, innovative uh, designs and techniques. So it's really a good thing for the client. We kind of have to have their best interest in mind. Yeah. Because everything's being documented. We can't take shortcuts and, you know, just try to slap something together because it's going to be really easy to know that we did that. Yeah. 
right. So that was a great question. And that was a good question. There's nothing in the world I love more than an Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I love very it. Very pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the call there, mate. Appreciate it. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. I like it's that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but then I'll try to, if I try to do too much in Australian accent, then I lose it and it turns yeah. into You can't just, hold a full conversation in it. No. <laughs> Even yeah. that was a little. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you know, coming down to see the kangaroos. No, you're already gone. What was that? Bring it back like a boomerang. That was okay. That was okay. Closer. I'll work on it. Yeah. Maybe we can go out and Workshop visit it. Joel. And oh, I can really cool. just, uh, I would love to go to Australia. I would too. Yeah. Except there's more deadly animals in Australia than anywhere else in the world. I'm pretty sure. Huh. Like, like then everywhere else in the world, they're all in, <laughs> like, are we talking <laughs> sure. cumulatively or? Um, that I'm not sure on. <laughs> we'll have to Google it. I don't know if it's even accurate at all to begin with, but lots of snakes, scorpions. I like snakes. Spiders. Well, they do Not have like they're giant, poisonous, they, they can kill you. Well, you like rattlesnakes? Um, they're interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, they're great. I they let to... you know when they're coming or like when you're near them. That so is they're, true, it's yeah. kind of like they're kind in that way. They let you know. That is true. What about a uh, little tails? Some sort of other more sneaky snake. The ones that like climb up through your toilet. I've, that you know? always happens in Australia. It's always <laughs> Australia when you see those yeah. news reports. Yeah, watch Maybe out. it's just we get bad Australian <laughs> PR here in Probably. the United States. I feel like it can't be that dangerous. There's tons of people that live there, happily. That's true, yeah. All right, Joe, we'll have to come over and we'll dive check it out. way more deeply <laughs> into this on our upcoming Snake Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we do another call? Sure, yeah. Do we have another one? Yeah, we do. All right. This is from Scott Kelly. Right. Hey, Sean. Hey, Captain. Happy Friday. Scott with Precision. Loving what you guys are doing so far. Keep up the good work. I was calling on the pre-qualifying clients. Um, I know for myself and I think for Sean, too, um, your portfolio and your commitment to design and material choices has been a big help for me in pre-qualifying my clients. Um, obviously, all we do is steel frames and decorators products, and that's uh, a huge help for us. Uh, it eliminates people calling for the lower budget decks. You know, we don't get calls for pressure treated framing and pressure treated decking, so that really helps. Um, I'd like Sean, if you don't mind, I'd like to know a little bit more about your thought process on actually putting a budget minimum on the website or in marketing materials. And also, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing with people sort of the script you use in walking people through hiring Premier Outdoor. Thanks. Appreciate it. And look forward to listening to the episode. Have a great one, guys. Bye. Thank you there, Scott. Scott Kelly, the godfather of steel. Steel framing expert. <laughs> Love that guy. Um, so we did already jump into a lot of 
the process that I use to pre-qualify and using the minimums on the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen some companies try to do almost a budget builder so you can go on and it's it's like an interactive tool on their website where they can pick like uh, a cabana do you want something that's small that could fit a uh, a six-person dining table or do you want something that could fit an outdoor kitchen plus seating and uh, a lounge area and they have all these different options that you can pick and it kind of like compiles an overall budget but I always thought that those were too complicated and there's just way too many variables on each project. And when you get that detailed with somebody on an interactive tool, they they kind of become attached to that number. And if yeah. it's inaccurate that it's too like way too low, they're going to be like, well, why are you trying to upsell me? I did your, your tool and, you know, it said it was going to be this much. And now you're saying it's going to be double because of some, you know, pre-existing conditions on my site. Or it could go the opposite and maybe the project's really straightforward and there's really great access and you've just scared that client away by the price being way higher than it actually needs to be. So I think setting a minimum is great because that'll deter a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I think, any business, you have an ideal project size because there are people that can make money off of doing $1,000 deck repairs. Yeah. They're just built to do that, but we're not. And I know that we would be out of business so fast if we tried to do really (laughs) small jobs like that and do a lot of them. So for us, we found that now it's about 30,000. Less than that, there's not that much that we can do with five people on site um, to do the amount of detail that we want to do, do those really cool things that it's not worth it. So I do think everybody should evaluate that in their own business and set a minimum for your projects. And it can be a little bit lower than you would ideally want because you don't want to scare away everybody. But as your demand grows, you can make that more and more and really refine what are those projects that we love to do, we enjoy, we're profitable on, and uh, it'll be for the better. Yeah. You know? And I think if you, just from an accounting perspective, if you have an idea of a goal that you want to hit for sales and mm-hmm. you kind of know what your like minimum is, it's easier to figure out how many jobs, how many jobs need. you need to do and kind of plan your year that way. Yeah, for sure. If you're an analytic person, that's, yeah. I think that's helpful. Which I'm not, but Catherine, you are, right? Yeah. All right, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> we need somebody to be following the numbers. Because <laughs> that's how you get more numbers on your screen. That's all it is. Money's not real anymore. Just numbers on the screen. It's cryptoverse. Crazy. But he also <laughs> made a good point about being very specific with the products that you use. So oh, yeah. he just does steel framing. Doesn't do any wood framing for decks, um, which I hear is really good for the climate they have out there in Colorado. They call me the wood father. <laughs> I'm sticking with pressure treated framing for our decks, and we love that. But we also, we both use decorators decking exclusively, and having your 
you know, a brand that you trust as a contractor and using them exclusively can be another really good way to kind of pre-qualify some of those clients. If clients are really insistent on using a product that for whatever reason they really want to use, but you know, it's an inferior product and you don't want to work with it. Easy way to one, just know that it's not going to be a great fit because they want to use inferior products. And also Mm -hmm. it's not a good fit in the sense that they don't want to trust you as the professional on what your recommendation is. So if people are trying to like call the shots and it happens also with design, if I have a design idea and I say that's not going to work because this, this, and this, it's just going to be a huge dead space in the area. You're going to, you know, it's just not going to flow at all. And if people are really pushed back on a lot of those things, it's like, okay, you obviously, you want to be the designer. Why did you hire me to do the design? You need a contractor because apparently you think you're the designer. So we're not going to be a good fit. Right. So that's just another layer of having people work within your system and your process. So yeah, some things it kind of doesn't even matter what the process is, whether it's fill out an online form, call this number, you know, do this, but you have to have people willing to at least put in some effort and follow somewhat of a process. And that shows at least a little bit right up front. If you do no other pre-qualifying, if they're willing to at least follow a few simple instructions <laughs> to get in touch with you and give you the information that you need to really service them, that is already a huge leap. Yeah, absolutely. So. And remember that you're the commodity. You you don't yeah. have to do every single job. You can, yeah. you can be picky. Exactly. Exactly. And there is a really... It's, it's a long journey to get to the point where you're in a situation that we're in. And we're also in the situation because not only do we have a lot of demand, we're also only doing like eight projects a year. And we're like, nope, we're not trying to do more than that. So yeah. there's not a lot of companies that are going to have as much demand as we have and not try to scale. And probably a lot of people say, you guys are idiots. You should scale. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. But nope, we have a different vision for our business and... Uh, you know, I think you can add in those layers of pre-qualification as your demand grows. It's Mm -hmm. not something that if you're just starting out, you can't make a client jump through 20 hoops and (laughs) do all these things to deter them because you don't have the volume of demand that you need to filter out and get those few that do contact. They won't contact you because... You don't have enough leads coming through that, you know, you're going to filter out everybody. So you have to add in those layers of pre-qualification as your demand grows and as your marketing and branding and all of that stuff can accommodate that level of, I don't want to say difficulty, but that level of process to your initial process. Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess I guess I that's that's pretty much it. We have pre-qualified <laughs> all of our listeners. If you've made it this far, you're a great listener yeah. and we want to get to know you. So <laughs> call into the hotline next week. We haven't picked a topic yet, have we? 
Uh, no. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> if you have any ideas, let us know. <laughs> yeah, just, just call in a chat. Just let us know what you to want us. to hear. But wait, yeah. you gotta give them the number. Oh, the number for the hotline, the hardworking happy hour hotline is 347 941 3923. Yep. Just give us a call. Leave your thoughts. Ask and us we'll any questions it. that you have. And um, we'll shout out your business. Yeah, we'll you, shout out uh, your business. You'll get like a million followers from this phone call. Yeah, probably. probably. So you should call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe in the future we'll also do just a general Q&A episode where we yeah, just take calls. Idea. So, you That'd know. That'd be fun. Everybody should be pre-qualifying in some extent. And, uh, you know, yeah. just get in that mindset. Start thinking about it. Start small. Grow big. Grow big or grow home. That's what I always say. <laughs> I like that. I like it. We'll, we'll have to trademark that. So yeah. till next time, this has been the Hardworking Happy Hour. See you next week.